0: are enjoying post-Halloween, I'm definitely enjoying it here. I've got a uh, a crazy show going on for you today with a bunch of guests. And uh, guest number one will actually be right here in this first segment. And this is a surprise to Ramona for reasons that I'll explain here in just a minute. But uh, Qualk is going to join me in just a couple of minutes. I just sent you his number, uh, Ramona, although you probably got it memorized. And we're going to talk a little Braves baseball, World Series, umpiring, all kinds of stuff like that. We had a huge power surge. I'm up at our uh, station, or at least uh, our remote station up in Greenville, South Carolina, off of Woodruff Road in Pronk Studios. We had a giant power surge about 20 minutes ago, so I was running around crazy uh, just trying to get this thing on the air. So thanks to Ramona for helping out with that. And, Ramon, I just sent you Kwok's number if you want to give him a ring, and uh, we'll get him on here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, if you do want to jump in really quick, Vibron Band phone line, 654-7627. I'll have uh, Lawton Swan in second segment. I'll have Faxon Childress in the third segment. And Faxon's actually at the men's basketball exhibition game right now uh, that's going on against Georgia's Southwestern State. So if you're on campus, you want to go check out the men's team, that's free admission, general admission. Faxon's there. He's going to step out right around 750 and uh, give us, it'll be the first time anyone in the upstate anywhere has gotten a rundown on what the Clemson team looks like in person because uh, Faxon will be jumping out probably right around halftime to give us his thoughts on that. Hey, before we get to clock, some real quick thoughts on uh, Clemson football, the 30-20 to win over Florida State you know, I'm going to take the positives, which I do every week. If you listen to my show, I'm a glass-half-full guy. Clemson having to drive and score late in the game to win the game, I look at as a good thing. That is something that I don't know if this team would have been able to pull off in any of the previous games this season. So the fact that they could go down when they had to go down and score a touchdown to put themselves in front in the game and were able to do it, I think is a good thing. Even though they did it through the weirdest play that we've probably seen in Death Valley in a while, they covered the spread. 10-point victory this past week, hadn't covered all season long, hadn't covered 15 of the last 20. I think that was an important step for this team, breaking the 20-point barrier. An important step for this team, and you've got to stop giving up defensive touchdowns. It just has to happen. That almost cost us for the third time this season, cost us the game against Georgia. You could really argue that it cost us the game against the Pitt Panthers because it completely turned what the game was going to look like in the second half with the turnover that was costly late against them, they found a way to overcome it. And then one stat here before I get to clock uh, to here in just a second, I think the Tigers have got to get committed to running the football even more than they've been doing. And this is from John Blau from the Post and Courier. This was his tweet. Best thing to happen to Clemson's offense the last few weeks is their run game improvement. First three FBS games this season, Clemson only averaged three yards a carry. Now, one of those was against Georgia, but still... Last four FBS games, 4.7 yards per carry. You can win ball games running 4.7 yards per carry all day long, especially if you have to lean into the running game to accomplish what you want to accomplish. I think the Tigers should be doing that even more, leaning into that as much as they possibly can. It'll be interesting to see. The spread came out for Louisville this week at about five points, dropped down to three and a half fairly quickly. That game, of course, will be on the road at 7.30 up in Louisville a team that's never beaten Clemson Tigers in football, which is kind of a random stat as well. But uh, as you know, I'm a huge Braves fan. I was listening to Kwok talk baseball earlier uh, today, and I'm like, you know what, if I don't have Quawk on the show for a few minutes tonight, the baseball season's going to be over, and I'm not going to be able to pick his brain about baseball. So, Kwok, uh, thanks for carving out a couple of minutes of your busy day for me.
1: Mark, anything for you, and perhaps more importantly, anything for baseball. Hope you're doing well, buddy.
0: Yeah, no, I am doing well. Uh, Qualk, Game 5, a little frustrating. So you know I'm a Giant Braves fan, right? So living and dying on every pitch this entire postseason. I guess I kind of look at Game 5 last night as, I don't want to say inevitable, but the Astros had been shut down completely on offense, hadn't been able to get a two-out hit to save their— I think they had one two-out run uh, in the entire uh, World Series leading up to that game. Uh, the Braves are going to have to throw some arms that really have no business being in the postseason right now. So the Braves are exactly where, if you'd have told me before this series started, when one out of two in Houston, when two out of three in Atlanta, and then go figure it out. That's exactly where they are. So I'm feeling pretty good, but you are unbiased because you're a Reds guy. Am I right or am I wrong feeling like the Braves have a really good chance of closing this out?
1: Well, you're right because – and and I'll say even more so than just the feeling of whether the Braves can close it out because the task of going to Houston and beating the Astros is a daunting task, particularly when you've already done it once in the series. Um, so there's that. And so I, I will preface all my comments with that. Like, it's not as if we're choosing between, you know, ways to inevitably win the series and, and now, you know, you pick, the, you pick the way of obviously winning that's going to take longer – there are obvious downside risks to everything, and I want to I want to say that before my initial comment. Um, I feel like Brian Snicker played this as well as you possibly can, given the circumstance. Let me let me break that down just for a second. You have a three one lead. Okay. The main criticism from Braves fans, honestly, Mark, I'm not sure where you stand on this. So I'd love to get your thoughts. The the main criticism I got from Braves fans was they said. I wanted to see Max Freed on short rest last night, and I wanted to see him on the mound with a chance to win it in Atlanta. Now, I think there is part of that that's a little bit biased, that you don't want to run out the string. You'd rather get in front of your fans. You wanted to see, like, it was the hype and it was the emotion and all that, and you don't want to leave disappointed. That's, that's fine. Um, if Charlie Morton was still healthy, last night would have been different. Honestly, oh, yeah. I think if Charlie Morton was still healthy, I think the Braves win last night. Because you had basically no chance, and I say basically no chance because Tucker Davidson could have gone through the lineup twice. He could have gone through the lineup three times, but he likely is not going to do that. Because you're not talking about a lineup of Punch and Judy guys. You're not talking about the, you know, the the Nationals or somebody like that. You're, you're not talking about the Pirates. Sorry, John Hype. You're talking about, you know, the maybe the best deepest offense in the American League with six hitters who are all star caliber and hitting like it and and you know seven eight nine who could easily be that. So um, this is a very good a very, very good lineup. Uh, because you didn't have Morton and because you already had planned to do a bullpen game in game four anyway, you had two choices. You could either do another bullpen game and try with a three one lead now and yep. try to go back to Houston with relatively regular rest in your starters and in your bullpen, and just try to see if you could steal a win. Right? You kind of stole a uh, win in Game Four with the back-to-back home runs, but from a pitching perspective, you earned it. Right? I mean, you earned that win. There's no question. Um, or you could pitch Max Fried on short rest, who has gotten hit around his last two times out, including once already this series against the Astros. Potentially, if he only gives you two or three innings, even in a you know in a in a best case scenario, he's probably going to give you like four innings on short rest with the way that pitchers are are stretched out or not stretched out now, um, just generally around the game, have have nothing to do with he or Snicker, just the way the game's going. And then you end up with basically, you know, mostly a bullpen game anyway. And then you don't have Freed in Houston, and you're asking the bullpen to win a game by themselves in either game six or game seven on the road, where the bullpen ZRA at home is about three runs better than it would be on the road. So, uh, you know, pitching guys on short rest, uh, it sounds great. We're not talking about Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson 20 years ago for the Diamondbacks where those guys pitched every game back and forth, right? I mean, that's that's not going to happen now, Um, especially with guys like Freed and Anderson, who aren't necessarily known as rubber-arm guys and who haven't been around very long. So rather than try to get a 70% version of Freed, who's already not been great in the series, now you have him on full rest. You have Ian Anderson on full rest to go against the Astros, and you still have the benefit of playing a two-game series where the Astros last night had to play a one-game series, right? right. So they go down 4 nothing, and they let Valdez stay out there a little bit, but he, was, he wasn't out there super long, two and two-thirds. You had to throw your kitty last night. You threw Odorizzi in game four. Neither one of those guys is available to start game six. And so now, Dusty Baker, because they have a one-game series and you now have to play two and counting last night a three-game series, you now have the advantage in starting pitching because he's having to start a very young green pitcher on short rest. So the situation you were in last night, Dusty Baker now finds himself in, in a much more critical spot, and that's why you play the long game.
0: I'm in agreement with you, and you know the Braves, I believe, tried Max Fried on short rest in the the Dodgers series. It did not work out all that great. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't as sharp as they could. So the Braves had a big pitching advantage coming into the series. I think that got washed when Morton uh, went down with a broken leg. I think they've kind of regained it back for the reasons that you just talked about, that the Astros are thin. And the Braves have got Freed and Anderson. The only thing that worries me about Anderson is his home road splits are horrific. And they've been able to throw him at home um, previously in the series. And throwing him on the road is a whole different kettle of fish. But, you know, I like my Braves opera, You know, chance to win this thing. But, Qualk, I'm a little bit older than you, man. I got a lot of heartbreak in my Braves. And it's hard to get excited about it. Do you buy into... And I think I know what you're going to say, but you might surprise me. Do you buy into the Atlanta sports curse, 28-3 in the Super Bowl, Georgia can't win them, Braves can't win them? Do you buy into that at all? Because I feel like the Braves are not just playing to win the World Series. They're, they're playing to break that curse as well.
1: Here's what's funny, Mark. Everybody loves home games, right? I love home games. I love, I love crowds. I love when your crowds behind you. I buy that at home. Because enough people talk about the Atlanta sports curse that if you were playing a game seven at, uh, you know, at Truist and you get down 3 nothing early in the game, yeah. the crowd will reflect the belief in the Atlanta curse. That won't be an issue in Houston where you're going on the road and nobody there believes <laughs> in the Atlanta curse. And here, here's what I mean by that. The team in and of itself right now, the Atlanta Braves, yes, they blew a 3-1 lead to the Dodgers last year. That's the only thing that could be lingering over their heads. But to me, I would be framing it, and I think Brian Snicker is, we were this close last year. We, we got over that hump. Now we're this close this year. Let's bust this door down, okay? Let's, total, let, let's just kick the door in, and let's, let's eradicate any doubts we might have had about how we're unable to do this. I would be preaching that. I would be preaching us against the world. It's weird because, like I said, I don't think like what the Falcons did in the Super Bowl against the Patriots has an impact on the Braves as much as it does the fans that might be in the Braves stadium. So just from that perspective, I think that's the one perspective where it actually benefits the Braves to be going on the road right here.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I saw this stat today, too. The last team to clinch the World Series in a home ballpark, 2013 Red Sox. They've all been one on the road since then. So what are we going for? Almost nine straight. Uh, And obviously the Braves could do it. It would keep that going. So that'll be interesting real quick before you get out of here. Freed versus Luis Garcia. I mean, you talked about this a little bit. I I feel like big time advantage for the Braves. If Max Freed is above average tomorrow night and can get through five or even six innings, I think the Braves have a much better than average chance of winning this ball game.
1: Yes. Here's what I'll say. I think that Anderson on paper in a vacuum gives the Braves a better chance to win for two reasons. One, I mean, Freed, he may be run out of gas a little bit for whatever reason. The Dodgers lit him up, like you said, in short rest. The Astros lit him up already in the short outing. He's got to give them some length, and it can't just be length for the sake of length. He he needs to keep them in the ball game. You know, he can't just, yep. you know, be out there wearing it for five or six innings. He's got to do a good job of, of, uh, of managing the lineup at least two, if not three times through. But then uh, Garcia, I don't expect much from Garcia on uh, short rest. And, you know, the Astros' bullpen is more taxed, uh, less fresh, and probably less effective, they have been overall, than the Braves' bullpen. But here's my question about the Braves. At some point does the dam break, where you've relied so much on those lefty relievers. Mentor got his last night, where the law of averages, played out against them. Do you have that issue with Matzik, where the Astros have seen him now multiple times, Smith, where the Astros have seen him now multiple times, and they crush and have crushed left-hand pitching? That would be my only concern. Is is there a point with these effective relievers, particularly the lefties that have been the dominant bedrock of this Braves playoff run, is there a point where the Astros figure them out? Hopefully that didn't happen for Minter last night. But I'm, I'm looking to see that. If those leppies can continue to get out, I think the Braves can split. Um, even if Freed and Anderson aren't, you know, to go back to my example, Schilling and Johnson, they don't have to be that. They just have to keep the Braves in the ballgame because I do think the Braves are going to be able to score some runs each of the next two nights.
0: Well, I saw this as well, so it's not mine, but it's not Jocktober anymore, but it is Dar November. So for Travis oh, Darno. So if you, if you want to steal that or take that or just bury that and it never be said on air again, whatever you choose, it is there for you. Darn November. Braves are going to do it.
2: That,
1: I tell you what, there's darn no way I'm ever using that pun. But I, <laughs> you know, I picked the uh, I picked the, the well, I guess I just used it once by default. I picked the Astros yeah. in seven. I'm not going to technically come off that mark, but I I I think if I were a Braves fan, I would feel pretty good. Still nervous but pretty good about your chance to grab one of these next two.
0: Awesome. You can hear Quawk and Kelly every day on Out of Bounds from 12 to 3. Quawkman, man, go enjoy your evening and uh, enjoy one more baseball game this season and only one. All right? <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, William Quawk and Bush, always a pleasure to hang out with him. And, again, it, it occurred to me earlier today, I'm like, dang, i got to have Quawk on this week or baseball season is going to be over. Crossing my fingers for the Braves, like many of you probably are as well. All right, coming up next segment, my good friend from Clemson Sports Talk, Lawton Swan's going to come by. We're going to dig a little bit deeper into that game against Pitt. Uh, pardon me, against uh, Florida State this past weekend. Have some questions for him about Louisville as well. This is the Mark Childress Show.
3: Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well
1: That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. That's
4: ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. ZipRecruiter.com slash radio.
1: Whether it's lunchtime, dinnertime, or sometime in between, Your Pie Clemson has cheesy signature pastas, freshly made pizzas, paninis, refreshing salads, and gelato, sure to satisfy your cravings. Visit Your Pie from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily at 111 Earl Street, downtown Clemson, where you can dine on the patio or order to go. Their staff has implemented extra precautions to make sure your dining experience is as health-conscious and delicious as possible. It's fresh and just the way you like it. We'll see you at Your Pie Clemson. Hey
5: Tiger fans, it's not too late to purchase your Clemson football tickets. Lock in your seat for one of our remaining home games by visiting ClemsonTigers.com slash football tickets. That's your one-stop shop for tickets, schedule, and game day designations. Be sure and act now, as tickets are going fast. So come back home to Clemson, and we'll see you in Death Valley cheering on our Tigers. That's ClemsonTigers.com slash football tickets. Finding the right Medicare plan may feel impossible, but now it's anything but. With Walgreens FindRx coverage tool, you can compare plans online, over the phone, or in person, making Medicare easier than ever. Easier than picking which true crime doc to watch, figuring out that Wi-Fi password, or putting the duvet cover back on. So if you can do those things with FindRx coverage, you can definitely Medicare. Find the plan that's right for you by visiting walgreens.com slash Medicare.
4: Get the edge at Tri-County in the top 1% nationwide for successful transfers. Training today's technology for tomorrow's workforce. Tri-County Technical College is now registering for exciting careers as Cisco Network administrators and computer technicians. You can learn more at tctc.edu forward slash CIT. Tri-County Technical College offers you the opportunity to gain the skills employers are looking for in today's workforce. Get the edge to at tctc.edu forward slash CIT. Inside the
1: train testing facility, our heating and cooling products go through endless torture tests to ensure they can run through anything.
2: And when we say torture,
1: we don't take that lightly. We drop them, slam them against the wall, shake them, and then expect them to run without an extra decibel in our anechoic sound chamber. Without fail. Drop. Slam. Shake. Silence.
5: Drop. Slam. Shake. Silence. And there's no end in sight test, so it runs. Pittman Heating and Air Conditioning, when you need the absolute best service at the best price. Visit pitmanac.com today for comfort all year long. Pitman Heating and Air Conditioning has been proudly keeping the Upstate comfortable for almost 50 years. When you call 864-882-3215 or visit pitmanac.com, you can schedule for free estimates on a new system installation or replacement. Pittman Heating and Air Conditioning is your local independent train dealer. Call 864-882-3215 or visit pitman. It's hard to stop a train. Hey Tiger fans! Your local Boys Camp thrift stores in Seneca and Westminster need your items to help bring hope and healing to boys in need through counseling, therapy, and life skills training. Donate your items for resale or shop their wide selection of gently used items at a great price. When you donate or shop with the Boys Camp thrift store, you're changing lives. Call today for a free large item donation pickup, like furniture and appliances, at 822-734. 822-734. You can also visit fairplaycamp.org for store hours, volunteer opportunities, and more. Hey, Mom, checking in on you and Dad, I saw there was a huge storm in your area last night. Oh, we're great. Power
1: is out in our neighborhood, but thank goodness our Generac Home Standby Generator gave us backup power so your father could sleep. We didn't skip a beat.
5: Oh, wonderful. I know that CPAP is his lifeline at night, and with me living a state away, I can rest easy knowing you're both safe. Love you, Mom. Love you, too, son. Call Central
3: Electrical Services at 864-556-8002 for your free estimate today and peace of mind for your loved ones.
0: Welcome back in to the Mark Childress Show with you every Monday night here on The Roar from 7 to 8, leading you up to Tiger Calls with Dabo Sweeney, Mr. Don Munson. I'll be breaking down the Florida State game from this past weekend and uh, looking ahead to the Louisville game, and you'll find out something every week uh, when you listen. Uh, Dad was either got a great story, but a lot of times he's breaking news about players and things like that. There's been a lot of injury-breaking news on Tiger Calls the last couple of weeks, and hopefully there will be no injury-breaking news this week. It sounded like we're decently healthy for the first time in a while. From Clemson Sports Talk, Mr. Lawton Swan joins us. Lawton, how is your Monday going?
2: March is going good, but, you know, leading up to Davo's show, I, I kind of feel like we're on the red carpet, you know, before a big event here. So I got, yeah. got my, you know, my, my best suit. I'm looking good. I got my hair done. I'm
0: fantastic. I like that, man. I'm going to steal that and start using it, uh, the, leading right up to the big events here uh, <laughs> later on. Right. And, uh, and this is where all the cool hip people hang out on the red carpet, too, right? You want to see the latest outfits oh, exactly. and things Listen, like I've that. I've so.
2: several, several people asked me for my photographs today. I've had to turn those down.
0: Oh, yeah, and, uh, and of course, um, you know, whenever you're at the Clemson games and things like that, that's what you're known for. Okay, we digress. We're, we're going off in the wrong direction. <laughs> Clemson coming off a 30-20 to 20 win over Florida State. You know, I'm the optimist, Lawton, so I said this in my opening segment. I thought the fact that Clemson went down late in the game where they had to score points to win and got points was a really big deal and potentially a really big step for this team. Am I making too much of that?
2: I mean, this team needs all the positive momentum they can get. And certainly after DJ Uyunglele was stripped and the return and everything, you could kind of feel, I think, the air and the balloon being let out of Death Valley. But to have that team rally, obviously they were aided by a couple of penalties, and I asked Tony Elliott about that after the ball game. But then ultimately, kind of Will Shipley putting this team on his back, 128 yards rushing in the contest for him, and then, of course, the big 22-yard touchdown run. I think... I think all of that sort of allowed everybody to just relax a little bit. And then, you know, the icing on the cake was uh, the final play and Barrett Carter getting into the end zone and uh, the little backdoor cover there with the 30-20 margin. And uh, it, it did. It, it kind of felt like, okay, you needed a big drive and you finally got a big drive. I mean, this has been a team mark this year that when they needed just a big first down, really hadn't been able to pick it up late in ball games. So, yeah, from that standpoint, I think it was good to see.
0: Yeah, I think it was as well. And again, we're we're looking for positive things, right? And we're looking for growth week to week. You know, Clemson had some opportunities late in the game against NC State to put it away and couldn't get it done. They had a chance to stay in that game with Pitt and couldn't get it done. So it was good to see, even if it was, you know, a lesser opponent than those other two, for them to be able to get by it. Also, uh, breaking that 20-21 point barrier you know, for the first time this season, at least in regulation, I also feel like that's a really big thing. You know, is it, is it kind of one of those things that now that the seal has been removed and you have permission, right? It's like the old four minute mile, right? Nobody ran a four minute mile for years and years. Somebody ran one and then like two years later, 10 guys had run one. Can you, can you open it up? And now that's not the, the high water mark anymore. That's a mark that, you know, you can go surging right by.
2: Yeah, I think you hope so. And certainly they were aided by that last touchdown defensively and, I kind of thought to myself, I'm sure Tony Elliott's like, hey, Brent, could we get that a little earlier in the ballgame? It'd really give us a little spark, perhaps. But, you know, just from the standpoint of, of this team, I, I think they do feel confident at this point with Will Shipley as long as he remains healthy. And yeah. there were moments in that ball game, and he said after the game that he was a little banged up, at, got a little banged up at practice. But uh, there were moments in the game where I thought he might still be favoring his leg a little bit. But, you know, when uh, when push came to shove, when they needed him, uh, he was there. And so I think that's been a, a big catalyst. And he had said he wanted to be the alpha in the room. And, uh, you know, to be able to lead this team, Mark, I think is an important thing for any player to be able to stand up and do that. But for a freshman to say, hey, this is what I want to do, it's certainly a, a, it kind of tells you a lot. About his character and what he kind of desires from, I think uh, a standpoint of leadership in the locker room moving forward. So we'll see how that trend sort of continues to play out over the next few ball games. But yeah, I I mean, I think you're right. I think to a degree, you sort of have broken through this barrier that's been holding you down, and maybe there's a little bit more comfort from this team. Uh, Again, they've had to play musical chairs on the offensive line. They've had several guys be injured, and you know that's been obvious. Something I think is probably bigger than we all expect. And I still think that there's a processing aspect of DJ's development that we probably don't give him uh, enough leniency on because of how well he played as a freshman and how well guys like Trevor Lawrence and uh, Deshaun Watson before him played. And I think if you just sit back and kind of take it all for what it's worth, which is, sure, he's a high-profile recruit. Um, he's very laid back. I don't know if that's uh, you know a little too West Coast California ish for some people, yeah. but I think that they're, I think that just from a, a maturation process for him, I you gotta believe you gotta believe that this past ball game has got to help him a little bit, just because they were finally able to overcome and steal some positive momentum, if you will
0: yeah as we continue on with uh Lawton Swan from Clemson sports talk uh you know it's interesting because I feel like you and I agree on uh on all of this stuff or at least a lot of these things uh a lot of times what's your take on uh on will Shipley? I mean you talked about him a little bit and he's really quietly you know starting to to add some yards up he's got seven uh seven touchdowns now rushing on the season um if he would have stayed healthy i you know i think he would you know, w- would have probably had an outside shot potentially at maybe even a thousand yards. He's got three ninety one so far this season. I-, I don't know. I i feel like he's really rounding into form, and some good things are coming from him.
2: He's always looked good. Like even when you see yeah. pictures of him beside C.J. Spiller, etc., you're kind of like, wow, I can't believe that kid's a freshman. And and I'm sure kind of getting your feet underneath you, literally and figuratively, uh, on the field as a freshman has got to be tough. But. He yeah. really seems to bounce back from that injury. And, you know, the three cuts he made on that touchdown run were just you know phenomenal. And that's the thing that you want to see from a running back. You want great pad level. You want great vision and explosion. And he really does move down the line well. And when he sees a hole, man, he hits it. Uh, he, he's he's similar, I think, in a lot of respects to C.J. Spiller from that standpoint. Uh, from the way he his running style is more conducive to what I feel like we saw from CJ during his time than what perhaps we saw from Travis Etienne previously. And, you know, I was talking earlier today with William Qualkenbush about this on my show and just thinking about how valuable and look, I this should not mean to diminish anything Kobe Pace has done or, or Phil Moffa, or any other running backs, but how valuable just a guy that I think can be an elite running back at this level. And certainly those other two guys have a, a chance to do that, but, Seeing Shipley play at that level that you, you need a running back to play at kind of makes me wonder how good this Clemson team would be had they had a guy like Travis Etienne all year this year. I know his numbers were down a year ago under the Clemson offensive line, but I, I do kind of wonder how much that would have settled DJ earlier in the season than perhaps some of the things that we've, saw, that we've seen from him maybe coming from the fact that he, he maybe took on a, a lot of the burden of what this offense had to be.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair and uh, and interesting to look at as well. And and then you know the last thing as we continue on with uh, Lawton Swan from Clemson Sports Talk, you can follow him on Twitter at Clemson Sports or go check out ClemsonSportsTalk.com. dot com. Um, Almost losing a game because you gave up a defensive touchdown for the third time this season, right? You lost the game to Georgia. That was the difference. I would argue that the big uh, interception return on the shovel pass at the end, uh, the beginning of the second half in that pit game, really turned the game and destroyed any chance uh, Clemson had of winning it. They were able to overcome that big mistake this past week. So again, I know I'm the optimist, but... You had to drive late and win it. You could tell me, well, it's Florida State, they're terrible, you should have killed them. Yes, but that's a big moment for the team. I also think maybe for DJ, a little redemption for the first time. Hey, I redeemed myself for a big mistake that I made that cost me games twice earlier this year. Maybe that's something that he can use as a breakthrough moment.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the numbers are, but you don't tend to win those games where you you do have a defensive score go against you and obviously Clemson got the one late that sort of matched it up, but they were still winning at that point. Uh, the thing about this game for me is I think if you were the Clemson fan and said, Man, we should have done better. We should have beat this Florida State team, it, it really came down to one area of your team, you know, not working out so well and that was obviously BT Potter in the field goals. I mean, if you tackle nine points with the three misses and he's been he's been really good not just through his career but also this season. You know, to have him miss those three kicks really kind of put you in that situation. So you also have to kind of add that into the mix too, right? But, yeah, yeah. I, I think if you're if you're DJ, I think that this did feel very good because, uh, again, it's Florida State. They're a marquee name. Nobody cares how far up or down they are. They're still Florida State. They're the team in the Atlantic Coast Conference or in, in the Atlantic Division as well that should be competing against Clemson to be at the top but then ultimately after you've had the range of emotions of those losses and the turnovers, to have that happen in, in a key moment. I mean, you're talking in the last eight minutes of that ball game yeah. to have that happen, and then you come back with the drive to score. Uh, confidence, yes, absolutely, I think is uh, a, probably one of the biggest things that DJ may have gained this past weekend uh, up, up against Florida State just simply because of how it finished.
0: Starting to wrap things up now with Lawton Swan from Clemson Sports Talk. Lawton, let's uh, start to look out of the front windshield of the car, right? Louisville is coming up this weekend, 7.30 game up at Louisville, a team that Clemson has dominated a couple of times in recent years, but has also played Clemson really close in recent years as well. Louisville has never beaten Clemson in football, so they've got that streak that they'd love to end. About three-and-a-half-point favorites the Tigers are going on the road. What are your, uh, I guess, early week thoughts on going up against the Cardinals?
2: Well, I I really have liked what we've been able to see from Malik Cunningham. I saw today they do have a a defensive back that's going to be out the rest of the season that may ultimately help Clemson, especially if they can yeah. continue to improve in the downfield passing game. But yeah, from you know from what I've seen, I mean Cunningham's pretty electric. He can keep plays alive in the pocket, and uh, you may have to do that anytime you're going up against this Clemson defensive front. So. Uh, you know, Scott Satterfield's, I think, done a pretty pretty good job there. I, I think it's a difficult spot to be in. It's kind of like uh, coaching at, I don't know, maybe Kentucky to a degree because there's still this basketball aspect that that program's always going to have. But uh, they do a pretty good job getting out there and, and filling up the arena and having a, having a good time at that stadium. Uh, and a 7.30 start was the thing for me to kind of raise my eyebrows a little bit because you, you know how electric any environment can be when Clemson comes to town just simply because everybody sees this as a year uh, where, you know, the, the, the champ's bleeding, so to speak, and everybody sees that they, they might have a chance to knock off Clemson. So that's kind of you know my initial impressions on this game is, one, they've got a dynamic playmaker at quarterback, and, two, their fans are going to feel like, hey, we've got a chance, and you mentioned the streak, never beating Clemson. We had a chance to do something that we've never done because Clemson looks Uh, Vulnerable, even after a victory like they had against Florida State. They still don't look like the Clemson of 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20.
0: Yeah, you're right on that. And, and Louisville, I got to watch some of the end of the uh, Louisville-NC State game. Louisville was right there with NC State with about six minutes left. And in, uh, in that football game, NC State scored a late touchdown and then got a defensive touchdown to kind of put it away. So they can hang around. They've got a mobile quarterback. It's going to be super interesting. No game has been easy for the Tigers so far this season. I don't expect this Saturday to be easy, but I am feeling a little bit uh, better about it. And, and I said this a little bit earlier. I think you've got to commit to running the football even more than you've been doing it now you've got shipley you've got mafa the two deep did yep. come out uh, earlier this week kobe pace will be back from uh covet protocols for this saturday so lots of good things to look forward to for the tigers as they try to become bowl eligible and uh and keep on the winning train all right uh, lawton before you get out of here what kind of content have you got cooking over on clemson sports talk this week
2: man obviously all day today just breaking down everything that the, the coaches had to say we didn't get much from brent Benables, but you know, a good bit from tony elliott so going through all that and going to have some stories up for sure on all the content. I uh, really love getting a chance to hear from Andrew McCuba again. And obviously Barrett Carter's impact on that ball game on Saturday and Brent Bittables, you know, had some, you know, had some very kind words about those freshmen. We've actually got that article up right now over on Clemson man, but great to be with you. And I'll tell you this about Louisville real quick. I know you got to hit a break scott satterfield is a lot like dabo sweeney for tiger fans that don't know the culture and the things that he's trying to yeah. build at louisville keep your eyeballs on him again i said i think he's done a pretty good job but i i think the his mentality as a coach uh is a winning mentality and i'm sure dabo sweeney will have plenty to say about that coming up in a little bit
0: yeah and uh he's had kind of a weird start at louisville right because he got his names attached to some early coaching rumors there's a lot more jobs coming open right now tcu just came open uh with Patterson leaving there. So who knows if he's there for the long haul, but uh, is building something interesting up there. Lawton Swan, always great to talk to you. Thanks for carving out some time uh, with me and have yourself a great week, okay?
2: Mark, anytime, man.
0: All right. Lawton Swan, Clemson Sports Talk. Go follow him at Clemson Sports. And uh, that's the way to go. Hey, coming up next segment, Faxon Childress has been hanging out watching the men's exhibition match over in Little John Coliseum. He's going to step out, give us a rundown on what he's been seeing so far. And we'll also talk a little Braves. Coming up after the break, this is the Mark Childress Show.
3: Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack.
4: See why four out of five employers who
1: post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. ZipRecruiter.com slash radio. Hey team,
5: we landed the contract. Kaya's web design studio just landed the gig of a lifetime. It starts next week. Their staff needs to double before That's the dream so deal so becomes a nightmare. We need front end, back end, a project manager. Indeed to... can help them hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
4: William, Nichols from Scores Jewelers. You know, I'm very fortunate to work in an industry that's almost entirely focused on celebrating life's good times and milestones, like the anniversary highlighting five, 10, 15 years or more spent with your best friend, birthdays and Christmases, and maybe the biggest day of all, the marriage of two people. Her engagement ring is more than just a diamond and a piece of gold. On the day it's given as a gift, it becomes a meaningful symbol marking the start of your new life together. In a few years, you won't remember the price tag on her engagement ring. But you will remember that look on her face when you open the box, that moment of sheer joy and excitement that says so many things to her that you could never express in words. This is the true value of a ring, the reason these things are handed down from one generation to the next. She's the one. Show her with the ring from Scores Jewelers. We'll help you find or make the perfect ring that says everything you want to say the moment you open the box for her. I'm William Nichols of Scores Jewelers in Anderson and online at ScoresDiamondJewelers.com, and I want to be your jeweler. There's confusion about how to protect yourself from COVID, but one thing is for sure. Whether or not you're vaccinated, you
0: need an accurate thermometer. Contact your medical provider at the first sign of fever, the leading sign of COVID and the flu. Only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies be vigilant and don't rely on non-contact thermometers. They have no scientific studies behind them and can miss the fever that might mean COVID. Learn more at exergen.com.
5: If you're looking for designer home furnishings or custom outdoor furniture, your next day trip itinerary should start in Clayton, Georgia at Reeves Home Furnishings. Next, visit the Summer House by Reeves in Highlands, North Carolina for unique art and home decor finds, sure to make your neighbors and friends jealous. Come for the day or stay the weekend in Clayton or Highlands and include us in your itinerary. We'd love to meet you. We'll see you soon at the Summer House by Reeves in Highlands and Reeves Home Furnishings in Clayton. I'm John. You may know me as a commercial lender, but I'm also a craftsman and a dog bed. At Park National Bank, we're more than our job titles, and you're more than an account number. You get personal attention and direct access to a caring, compassionate banker who respects and responds to your needs and goals. Find John or a banker near you at parknationalbank.com. Park National Bank, where you mean more. Member FDIC,
1: parknationalbank.com.
5: Granger Nissan of Anderson is
3: not only home of the lifetime warranty, but the winner of the Nissan Award of Excellence for three years in a row. Granger Nissan is here to serve the upstate with excellent service and competitive pricing. With the largest selections of Nissans in the upstate, Granger Nissan is sure to have what you need in stock and ready to drive off the lot today. Granger Nissan of Anderson at 3510 Clemson Boulevard, only 25 miles from Greenville and always online at
5: GrangerNissanOfAnderson.com. Sleep tight and don't let the bed bugs bite. That was once just a nursery rhyme, but not so much anymore. Now you can find them just about everywhere, from homes to hotels to even hospitals. At Clark's, we will find the bed bugs and present a plan to eliminate those nightmarish creatures. If you suspect that you have bed bugs, give us a call and set up a free estimate. And don't forget, we have one of the best pest and termite control programs in the business. Call us at 864 233 2847 or visit us at Clark'sPest.com. Today, Times are tough, and with uncertainty comes fear of the unknown. Whether you're a business owner, single investor, or retiree, TOE Financial in Clemson is here to help alleviate your worries with guided financial advising services that are thorough, educational, and consistent. Plan for your future through investments, insurance options, and financial planning services to help you fulfill your most valued goals. Schedule your free consultation at 654-5043. Securities and advisory services offered through the Strategic Financial Alliance, Incorporated, otherwise unaffiliated with TOE Financial.
3: No one plans a plumbing problem. Lucky for you, Roto-Rooter is there 24-7, 365, just like they have been for over 30 years. Locally owned by proud Clemson alumni, they'll handle anything. Plumbing inside or out, home or business, from sinks to disposals to septic tanks. They are the experts. Serving the upstate and western North Carolina. Call 288-7686 or online at Rotorooter.com.
2: Rono Rooter, that's the name. And the way go troubles down
0: the drain. Welcome back in. Final segment of the Mark Childress Show, taking you right up to Tiger Calls with Davo Sweeney and Don Munson. And we've had a we've had a change in this segment. I got a text from Faxen, literally during the commercials. I can't call into your segment. I've been selected to the halftime competition at the exhibition game for men's basketball for Clemson. So if you're heading over there, you can see Faxon at half. I have no idea what he's doing. Is it a half-court shot? I know they have, like, make a putt and win a bunch of money. Um, My fingers are crossed for him. But we will not get him this segment. And he was going to give us a great breakdown of uh, Clemson basketball, their exhibition against Georgia Southwestern State today. They kick off their season next week against Presbyterian. Uh, that's going to be right around the corner. I wanted to hear about the freshmen, especially Josh Beadle, um, and see uh, what kind of impact he can make. Ian uh, Shefflin as well. Uh, I believe he was the first sub off the bench in the exhibition game, which could be good. And then the two transfers that the men's squad has from uh, USF transfer David Collins And then from Youngstown State, uh, the transfer, Naz, Bohannon, both of uh, those guys hoping to have instant impact. Grad transfers, right? That's something that uh, is quite the controversy over on the football side is pulling players out of the transfer portal. You know, if Dabo has any questions about it, he could go ask Brad Brownell because Brad's been doing this for years, pulling transfers into Clemson pre-portal and now post-portal. I think both of those guys are going to have to have an impact this year. And uh, Terrence Oglesby, You know, T.O., I really value his opinion on college basketball in general, but especially the Clemson Tigers. He's really big on P.J. Hall. And P.J. struggled at times last year. But, uh, you know, with the size leaving, I guess, for the Tigers, P.J. Hall's going to have to eat a ton of minutes this year. And T.O.'s really high on him and thinks that he can provide a lot of value if he can stay out of foul trouble because if he cannot, there's not a lot of big bodies behind him. And one of them is freshman Ben Middlebrooks, who I believe reclassified to be able to come in. So he's really young and really raw and needs to put some weight on him. A lot's going to be expected of P.J. Hall this year. If he can have the kind of year T.O.'s talking about, he could be talking about an all-ACC type of player. If he keeps getting in foul trouble or struggles, it could be a really long year for the Tigers. So we will get a rundown on this exhibition and a preview of the season coming up from Faxon next week after his halftime uh, competition this week. So live radio, man. You're always going to need to uh, change and make some adjustments. Braves game six tomorrow night. Talked about this a little bit earlier with Qualk, Max Free taking on Luis Garcia, the right-hander for the Astros. Garcia, if you remember, I think with three and two-thirds um, back in game three when the Braves uh, won that ball game two to nothing and uh, were pitching in the rain. Uh, and all of the struggles that came with with that for the Astros. Garcia pitched in that game and was somewhat effective, but could not stay in the game very long, and now is coming back on short rest. And there's not a lot of pitchers out there that have successfully pitched on short rest a lot in the postseason, in the past. So it's almost effectively some type of bullpen-type game for the Astros. They're all out of sorts in their rotation and Qualk did a good job of explaining some of that earlier they're all out of sorts who are they going to throw they don't have a big gun to go to they're really going to be almost patchwork all hands on deck scenario because they have to win game six tomorrow to even force a game seven super important for them i've got to say and it's been going on for a while now i haven't said it on the air said it to family and friends This has felt like destiny for this Braves team for a while now. It really has. The way that they got through the Dodgers series, the way things have gone uh, early for the Astros, it just kind of feels like that the Braves are finally going to break through for the first time since 1995. But at the same time, man, this team has broken my heart so many times over the years. I am not going to believe anything until that final out is made and the celebration begins but I do like the Braves' chances. They have the pitching advantage and the starters. The bullpen has been lights out. If the bullpen is as good as it's been in the previous games, the back end of the bullpen, with Minter and matsik and Luke Jackson and Will Smith, then the Braves are going to find a way to win game six or game seven. It's going to be really interesting. Interestingly enough, Qualk said he liked the Ian Anderson matchup in game seven more than he liked the Freed matchup. I I disagree on that. Ian Anderson has been a completely different pitcher away from Truist Park than he has been at home. And that's he's a rookie. I mean, I know he pitched in the postseason last year, but he's he's basically still in his rookie season and to ask to win a you know, all stakes game seven is a challenge. Now, Max Fried has had two starts in a row where the numbers did not look great, and he got hit pretty hard in Los Angeles. Earlier in the series, when he got hit, it was a lot of dinks and dunks. If you remember, he had that one big inning where he ended up giving up four runs. He had two infield singles in that inning, and he had Maldonado, the catcher, who before last night had done nothing. The entire postseason hit about a fifty mile an hour grounder between short and third that drove in two runs and or drove in one of the runs in that game. It was one of those things where they were hitting them where they ain't, and they weren't hitting them hard. In fact, four of the slowest hit balls of the entire game were hit in that inning in Game 2 against Max Freed, where he ended up giving up all those runs. So I don't think Freed got shelled or, or they solved him or anything like that, but he definitely struggled um, in Game 2, but it, it wasn't as bad as it looked. And also, being able to be indoors, I'm assuming they're going to close the roof. It's going to be a lot warmer. The one thing you do here in the postseason, and Max Freed loves to throw that curveball, right? You could argue he has one of the top two or three curveballs in the majors. If it's cold outside, can't get as good of a grip, can't get quite as much spin on that curveball, that can make a big difference. He's going to be inside more than likely in Houston, and I'm going to assume the temperature in Houston isn't near what it is in Atlanta, even if the roof is open. If I were Houston, I'd leave the roof open tomorrow night to try to lower those temperatures and maybe make that Max Fried curveball not snap quite as much. That's going to be interesting to watch. And then I pulled this earlier. Postseason batting averages for the Braves players. There's not a lot to get excited about here. There's not. The Braves have not exactly been knocking the cover off the ball at all in the postseason. They've been winning a lot of the games through great pitching. Eddie Rosario, of course, has had one of the best postseasons that any player has ever had. He's batting .411. For the entire postseason with 23 hits which is incredible to me second best hitter from an average perspective on the Braves roster in the postseason has been Austin Riley and he's had some timely hits as well Riley batting 295 in the postseason he has eight RBI Freddie Freeman's at 288 steady Freddie right he just gets hits he's had some timely hits and It'll be interesting to watch. And, hey, some breaking news. I just got a text from Faxon. I won. I don't know what he won. I hope it's some really, like, expensive gift or something like that. But cool. Faxon did win. Faxen did win the halftime competition at the exhibition game. Can't wait to hear about that later tonight and fill you guys all in next week. But uh, Freeman batting 288, And then this stunned me right here because this guy, it feels like he's been hurt a little bit. He has not been great. At all in the postseason, but has been okay in the World Series. Travis Darnot is fourth on the team for the Braves in batting average, and that's all the way down at 255. That's not good, folks. None of the rest are good. Ozzy Albee batting 233 for the postseason. Jock Peterson, 225. Dansby Swanson, 222. Duvall, 218. The only pinch hitter besides Jock Peterson. And when I see pinch hitter, a guy who's riding the bench, right? I know that there have been players like Solaire came in and got a pinch hit homer, things like that. When, when I look at Adrianza, Camargo, Arcia, Heredia, all of those guys combined, Adrianza's the only guy who's gotten a hit in the postseason, and he's one for ten. Camargo, 0 for four, Arcia, o for four, Contreras, o for one, Heredia, o for three. So besides the pinch-hit heroics from Jock, of course, early in the postseason, and then uh, that Solaire pinch-hit homer the other night, the Braves haven't really done a lot. So when you, if you just showed me these numbers and said, these are the Braves' numbers for the postseason, I would not say, oh, hey, they have a 3-2 advantage over the Astros headed into Game 6. But they do. And I think the bats are going to need to wake up a little bit. I am concerned that the Astros had been so bad for four games and they finally got off the deck, especially uh, Correa and Bregman, who'd done nothing in the World Series. Both got a couple of hits last night. I'm a little worried about that. And if you're a Braves fan out there, you're probably nervous. I'm nervous right now. i got to wait 24 hours and change. First pitch will be about 8.09 tomorrow night, and that should be a good one. All right, uh, a couple of other thoughts before we get out of here. I do feel good, again, about the Tigers taking on Louisville on the road this week coming up. Just three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they're going to run the football even better than they ran this past week, and I really feel like that maybe DJ's had some breakthrough moments. They've broken that 20-point barrier. I think there's three or four things that you're kind of adding up and you're putting together here that could lead to some really good things up at Louisville and then you'll be back home against UConn that next weekend. So find a way to get Louisville, and there's still a lot of goals in front of you. You can still end up having a really good season. All right, thanks for hanging out with me this evening. Thank you so much to William Qualkenbush for calling in in the first segment. Thank you to Lawton Swan from Clemson Sports Talk for calling in in segment number two. I am going to bid you adieu, Clemson, uh, pardon me, Tiger calls coming up next with Dabo Sweeney and Don Munson. This has been the Mark Childress show.
5: Live from priority, priority One Security, WCCP FM 105.5, Clemson, Greenville, Anderson, WAHT AM 1560,
2: Cowpens, 97.5, Spartanburg. We are the Roar, where every day is game day.